Yoo-hoo! It's me, Mickey Mouse, and you're listening to The Thodcast. Hey, and welcome to episode 19 of The Thodcast. Um, my name is Philip Elke, and I'm the host of The Thodcast, conversations about animation, where I'm joined by uh, my co-host today, Jody Pulaski. Hey, Jody, how are you today? I'm doing great, and I guess today I'm going to be playing Dawson and myself since he's not here with us. Mm-hmm. Well, it's wonderful to have you, uh, giving Dawson a little bit of a break this week. And uh, yeah, we're going to just talk about some more live action. I know the last time you and I did uh, an episode, uh, just the two of us, it was also about a film uh, that was mainly live action with some animation, uh, that being Mary Poppins. Uh, slightly different uh, subject here today with <laughs> a Marvel superhero movie, Captain Marvel. Uh, but I thought it'd be really interesting to get your perspective on this because this is the uh, Walt Disney Company and Marvel Studios' first solo female superhero film. And Jody, you're an expert on all things Disney princess and uh, female protagonists. So I, I'm curious as to your thoughts on the film. Um, yeah, so I just went to it last night with my mom and I mean, my gut reaction is I loved it, but mm -hmm. I compared it a lot to Wonder Woman, which I was obsessed with that when that came out. And I know that's a different brand. It's not, you said it's DC is Wonder Woman and mm -hmm. Captain Marvel is. Uh, yeah, Captain Marvel is uh, Marvel Studios, which is owned by Disney. Mm -hmm. it's, she's a, uh, a Marvel uh, comics character. And, and that character has gone through several iterations in the comics. Um, and then Wonder Woman is a member of the Justice League, uh, part of DC Comics pantheon, if you will. And, and um, they're owned by Warner Brothers Film Company. Warner Brothers, yeah. So, so that was really only my thing to compare it to because I was racking my brain for other superhero movies I've seen in theaters. And I really think the only superhero movie I've ever seen in theaters besides Captain Marvel was Wonder Woman. Um, so clearly I just like these female led, um, superhero ones. They're really bringing, uh, the female crowd into the theaters. I'm guessing if you looked up statistics, um, th that there's a lot more girls going to these ones, but I thought it was really empowering. I thought the character was, I mean, for a superhero, very relatable. Uh, there are a few times like when you'd watch a scene of her triumphing that I just like wanted to start clapping. And I was like, maybe this is how men feel all the time because they get to watch like Spider-Man and Batman and Superman. Maybe I just need to be going to more like superhero movies because I locked out of there feeling like I could take on the world. Nice. Well, yeah, if you're uh, only checking it out for the women, I mean, first off, that's great <laughs> that, <laughs> that that is uh, a way for... Uh, filmmakers to get uh, you know more of an audience uh, by by of course branching out into more diverse territory and and we did see that last year as well with the huge opening for Black Panther um, also including some more diversity within the superhero genre but um, yeah I mean in general yeah, superhero films are are designed to be very empowering and you know developing relatable characters into these. Um, just very triumphant, overcoming 
characters that um, they're designed to really capture the the human spirit, um, you know, regardless of who's watching. But yeah, totally. If you're uh, feeling a little disenfranchised because so, so few of, of these characters portrayed on screen, at least the main protagonists, um, because most of the main superheroes featured in, in films up to now are like white males or something similar. <laughs> um, and yeah, if, if that is the constant pattern, then you might begin to think, oh, well, none of these characters really look like me. So maybe it, it isn't for me as much. Um, but no, I mean, it, it really is for everyone. But a good way to communicate that is to start introducing these characters that um, that do represent a much more diverse and realistic demographic, uh, which is which is wonderful. Exactly. I mean, to backpedal a little, I do have friends who love like all the superheroes. I think for me, just because I'm such like a princess fan that I just didn't fall into that category. But now I am curious. We were talking before we started recording today about, you know, the Avengers as a whole. And it, I, I would be interested to go back to the other movies and find out more of the backstories of the different characters that that will make up the Avengers. I'm assuming there's been Avenger movies already, and this is just kind of Captain Marvel's piece of the puzzle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so this is the 21st film in the oh, wow. Marvel. Marvel. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, there's been quite a few. It all began with, in 2008 with Iron Man um, in this this series. Um, it's all one universe, and. Um, Iron Man, followed by Incredible Hulk, uh, and then Thor and Captain America came right around the same time. And then they all teamed up in The Avengers. Um, And then, yeah, we've gotten a lot of characters introduced since then, a lot of side characters who haven't um, received their own film, uh, solo film adaptations. Um, But Captain Marvel uh, has not been in any other... Marvel Cinematic Universe film. She's she's been referenced slightly, really only at the end of the most recent uh, film, or one of the most recent films besides Captain Marvel, which was Avengers Endgame. Uh, since since not not Avengers Endgame, sorry, uh, Avengers Infinity War, which came out last year. Do you are you familiar what uh, movie I'm talking about, Jody? Avengers Infinity War. I am not totally okay. familiar, so refresh yeah. my memory. No, that's okay. Um, it was, yeah, the, the movie with the big purple guy, Thanos, uh, who was the, the big villain that was facing down against the, the Avengers. And um, at the end of that movie, um, spoiler alert for, for this movie, and, uh, well, for Captain Marvel and uh, Avengers, Infinity War, uh, Thanos does prove himself victorious at the end. Um, and um, the, the next movie in the Avengers saga, Avengers Endgame, is going to be all about trying to uh, undo the events of the climax of Avengers Infinity War. And actually, uh, yeah, Black Panther from last year, which opened February 16th of 2018 was the number one grossing film domestically over 700 
million dollars at the domestic box office. That's pretty insane. This this year, though, however, uh, Captain Marvel, which is a similar solo film about a character who's of a, a more diverse demographic, as well as uh, one that has had little involvement, uh, actually no involvement in previous Marvel Cinematic Universe films, uh, received a similar reception, grossing uh, $153 million domestically uh, its opening weekend. So huge, huge opening for Captain Marvel. People are very um, enthusiastic about this new female superhero. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure they're going to, I mean, after her success uh, with this movie, I'm sure they're going to pull her into more of the plots when they bring them all together as a group. So that's exciting. That's exciting for girls and boys everywhere because she she is a, a great character, I thought. Um, in the beginning, I wasn't super sold. You know, they start in outer space and I'm not sure how most of these movies go, but uh, do most of the time do they end up taking place the the bulk of the movie uh, on planet Earth? Is that usually where those movies end up going? Like that's when it picked up for me is when she got to planet Earth. That's when I got a little more engaged in it. So is that usually how those movies go? Is there's something happening out in the universe, but the main action happens here? Yes, you'll find that in some of these films where. They aren't always confined to Earth, but these are generally uh, Earth's mightiest heroes. The main appeal of these characters is that they uh, are heroes on Earth. But um, then with the nature of comics, expanding stories out into other genres and other worlds. Um, I, I'm not a, a comic book expert by any means, but the comics have become so expansive that they span um you know planets galaxies timelines uh universes <laughs> dimensions um and but yeah the core characters are usually heroes based on planet earth spider-man hulk iron man captain america um even thor who's so, you know sort of an alien but um, also uh, a deity, um, you know, a lot of his adventures are about how he, uh, how he engages with people on Earth. But yeah, with Captain Marvel, I'm, I'm not totally sure of what the history is for, for this character um, in terms of the setting of, of most of her action. And Captain Marvel hasn't always been a... Uh, a female like Carol Danvers. Um, she, I think only recently Carol Danvers became Captain Marvel, uh, actually July, 2012. Um, she was mostly known as Ms. Marvel, but oh. she assumed the mantle of Captain Marvel in an ongoing series written by Kelly Sue DeConnick with art by Dexter Soy. Um, she she dons a jumpsuit and explores her own past. The the pitch for the series is described as Carol Danvers as Chuck Yeager. Uh, Chuck Yeager was a, a pilot uh, who, who did a lot of testing for the Air Force and, and NASA. She she's uh, kind of a maverick 
uh, crack pilot type character, um, sort of like in Top Gun. Uh, this movie has a reference to Top Gun with the, the name of the cat, Goose, um, one of the principal characters in that movie. Yeah, are you familiar with the Tom Cruise film Top Gun? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I know. When you ask me about the movies, I a yeah. lot of those references are lost on me, and then I I feel like I need to go back and watch. No, it's it's uh yeah. I think it's a 1986 movie. Um, I've heard of it. I just yeah. have never uh, taken the time to watch it. It was a while back. One of Tom Cruise's biggest hits from his early days. And uh, it was about um, a uh, fighter combat, you know, um, jet fighters and um, the Cold War arms race. Yeah, so... This uh, has some similar subject matter, Carol Danvers being a pilot in the 80s um, for the Air Force. She wasn't allowed to do combat runs, but uh, she was allowed to be a test pilot. Uh, because she's female, she and her uh, partner, her, uh, her co, not co-pilot, but essentially a close friend who's also a pilot, um, her, that character's name was Monica Rambo. Or not Monica, um, Maria Rambo. Monica Rambo is, is the daughter who could potentially become another hero. Um, Monica could become a hero? Maria yeah. Stone? It's just something I've, I've heard um, speculated. All right. Well, that would be fun. I mean, I'm mm -hmm. sure now they can take this story sort of in any direction they want. Are they usually based off of an existing comic or are these movies more of inspired by a set of comics. It's not like they're copying a story that's already printed out, is it? No, it, yeah, it's, these are all original versions of these characters. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there are definitely similarities to the comics. They, I think they borrow heavily some of the main plot chunks, the, some of the main arcs. Um, get get tweaked and reworked so that they can fit within the larger Marvel Cinematic Universe. So uh, the, it's very rare you'll find like an actual direct adaptation of, of comics to films, but they'll often make large gestures towards the various elements from, from these comics. And, and yeah, we, uh, we'll get to some of the the plot uh elements with yeah a lot of uh crazy sci-fi uh aliens and adventures um get planet hopping in this movie things things do become a little bit more uh coherent once we get to planet earth but uh, what did you think of all the crazy aliens and technology in this film um for me that's not like a huge interest like of the story like the the things that like stood out to me more so than i mean i loved the aliens and i loved can we talk about the plot twist like how they were like yeah. spoiler. okay spoiler alert or whatever but that the um the 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 aliens the green ones do you remember their names the, the scrolls right? the what uh, the scrolls yeah. that could transform mm -hmm. yes and then the the other people are the kree right the kree mm -hmm. Um, so that you found out that they they weren't actually you know 
the villains of the story that they were refugees. Like I, I liked all of that stuff as far as like the costumes and like the, you know, that kind of thing about like the alien part. I don't really care about spaceships or aliens, mm-hmm. but I liked the story. So even if no one was an alien and there were no outer spaceness and this was just like humans acting out this plot, I would have liked it. So you're probably more of the expert. What did you think about the sci-fi aspects of it all? Uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed that. And uh, it, it did sort of scratch that sci-fi itch that I definitely appreciate from any movie. Uh, just an incredible amount of production value when designing the sci-fi elements. Um, yeah, it felt like watching a, like a Star Trek movie kind of <laughs> with the pointy-eared, um, you know, vaguely humanoid characters, you know, with the prosthetic makeup. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Ben Mendelsohn as the leader of the Skrulls and, um, you know, just very, I don't know, nostalgic feelings of watching, you know, like a Star Trek movie uh, or just any kind of Star Wars, of course, any any film that involves um, adventures spanning, you know, stars. And, uh, yeah, the the whole, you know, characters in makeup with with the Kree that was interesting how the Kree are like <laughs> they can either be blue or else normal looking like humans or mm-hmm. or you know they they have diverse human types within the Kree as well but i i thought they were all blue from what i knew about the Kree from uh Guardians of the Galaxy which is one of the previous Marvel Cinematic Universe films. Um, some some characters from that film appear in Captain Marvel. So we do have plenty of returning characters, but um, we do learn a lot more about the cosmic landscape of the Marvel Cinematic Universe because not as many films have dealt with sort of the larger Star Trek or Star Wars-esque galaxy-spanning action of, of this universe, uh, which is really interesting how like the, the stuff that's on earth, which is you know, mainly what we've experienced up to now is just one small part. And like the, the uh, residents of the larger galaxy kind of look down on earth as this, you know, <laughs> they use the word, um, you know, crap hole. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, um, Earth ends up being pretty pivotal in the events of the universe, as you know, is uh, demonstrated in Avengers: Infinity War when Thanos is on Earth when he uh, you know, performs an action that has um, universe-spanning implications. Um, he he wipes out a significant number of the uh, life in i believe either the universe or the galaxy i'm not totally sure if if when he snaps his fingers at the end of avengers infinity war and uses the uh the infinity gauntlet which is a device that um you know has uh you know the ability to you know, um basically provide its wearer with omnipotence and um unlimited power so he uses that power to just to uh, to wipe out um, 
a, a large part of life in I, I can't remember if it's the universe or the galaxy. So <laughs> sorry about that. But um because he thinks that life, if it if it isn't um harnessed or if it's not regulated, it'll destroy itself. So he was gonna be the the arbiter to uh make sure that that life in the universe didn't run amok and end up, you know, destroying itself. I don't know. Does that make sense? <laughs> I'm going to have to take your word for it. I yeah. wish Dawson was here because I think he would know a little bit more about what you're referring to, but it makes sense <laughs> how you're explaining it to me. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a very fascinating thesis for a villain to have, you know, mm -hmm. you're, you're saving the life in the universe by, by destroying half of it, essentially. Um, sort of like how it, you know, sometimes, if a country experiences a, a tragedy, they'll come back, you know, much stronger, um, you know, places like uh, Germany, Japan, you know, the places that were decimated by wars, you can sort of see how they've definitely um, made up for it in the intervening years. But um, yeah, in, in these uh, films, um, it is now up to Captain Marvel to come to the rescue of the Avengers, um, of the much uh, Im embroiled Avengers, the surviving Avengers, I should say, at the, at the end of uh, Avengers Infinity War, and how she escapes Thanos' um, culling, his, his decimation, um, is, I guess, either a matter of pure luck or she was in another galaxy and wasn't affected by by the snap um, that that wiped out half of all life. So I'm curious to see where that goes. So scrolls are the bad guys. And you're a Cree. A race of noble warriors? Heroes. Noble warrior heroes. Your life began the day it nearly ended. We found you. With no memory, we made you one of us. So you could live longer, stronger, superior. You were reborn. So, stuff on Earth the it this is set in the 1990s i loved that part <laughs> i loved the throwback aspect like i said when we, we started talking just now mm -hmm. as soon as i got to planet earth and she kind of crashes into blockbuster i was like oh this is in the 90s and like there's you even the vhs's she's looking at on the shelf you can kind of see them in the background do you remember the movie like they they paid attention to themselves because there's like a poster for that movie Babe, the Talking Pig. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you know she has to use like a corded telephone, <laughs> which now where do you see those anywhere? And I thought this was such the perfect time period to have her kind of like drop into, and uh, it made it really fun I think for me because I mean who doesn't like a good like throwback? Uh, and mm. they picked you know music from when we were that age oh, yeah. and everything too. So I thought that was great. Great soundtrack. Mm -hmm. It was great um, soundtrack. <laughs> she picks up 
the movie The Right Stuff when she's in Blockbuster, a uh, mm-hmm. movie about NASA. Um, yeah, lot, there's there's a great reference to the uh, Kevin Smith movie Mallrats. Um, I, and this this the actual year I believe is supposed to be 1995 because um, they mentioned that uh, Carol Danvers. You know, this pilot, she was in an accident in 1989, and that resulted in her being abducted by aliens and um, taken, you know, basically taken in amongst this this group of aliens, Cree aliens. And she's mm-hmm. like, she was given blood transfusions, I guess, so that she thought she herself w- was a Cree. And then she, uh, she also, this accident gave her a whole bunch of powers. Um, but she is... Uh, human originally so um, you know when when she comes back she, she her memory is sort of yeah yep yeah. um, so this is all about her sort of rediscovering her origins um, and, and the audience kind of gets to uh, experience her origins through flashbacks and also just through through Carol's eyes uh, herself um, yeah the um, the, the movie Mallrats, by the way, has a cameo from uh, Marvel Comics legend Stan Lee. Um, he was oh. creator of a lot of the uh, characters that you see in Marvel Comics. Yeah. Um, do you remember the part where he shows up in this movie? Yep. Yep. And I was sort of watching for that um, mm-hmm. because I had read something online that that, that was coming. And I... Mm-hmm. Um, at the beginning of the the showing that I saw, they also reference him. I don't know if you saw that the, before the movie even starts. Yeah. Thank you, Stan. And they they show some images of him through the throughout the years. Um, but yeah, yeah, I caught that when it when it came into the movie. So, but that's because I was watching for it again. Like I don't think I would have even known who he was. Maybe if if there wasn't so much you know buzz around his passing and mm-hmm. and this upcoming movie here. Yeah, great, great, of course. Uh, this is a great tribute to Stan Lee in the opening uh, logo for Marvel Studios. I don't think we even mentioned Stan Lee on this podcast and his passing. Um, I think Doss and I talked about it at some point and it just got deleted. So, yeah, much, uh, we've been much remiss uh, yeah. in our uh, lack of Stan Lee coverage on this. Uh, podcast, but yeah, he has appeared in other films that we've reviewed on the podcast, uh, such as um, Ralph Breaks the Internet. He had a brief cameo in that, uh, and of course, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. He had a pretty significant role there. Um, yeah, the, this movie um, takes place partially in Los Angeles. Uh, you see Stan Lee apparently on his way to audition or to film Mallrats, yeah. reading a script uh, on the train. And then, uh, you know, this train sort of the initial setting for a, a large action sequence chase um, between Captain Marvel, uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. agents, including Nick Fury and uh, Clark Gregg's character, Phil Coulson. Um, Nick Fury, of course, played by Samuel L. Jackson. Um, and these are characters that we have seen in mm-hmm. previous films. Um, both actually showed up in the first Marvel Cinematic Universe film. Uh, are Iron we going Man. to come to find that Fury is someone special? 
he or is that just a cool name that this character gets yeah he's uh he's had plenty of comics centered around his character but he's not a, a super powered okay. yeah I, he's maybe gotten superpowers you never know like with with comics like there could be storylines where he does have powers um but in this version he's just a a dude with an eye patch he gets scratched by the cat and i was like is this <laughs> going to be sort of like a spider-man situation where this cat scratch is gonna make him into like cat man or something like that but that, that <laughs> that'd be interesting that'd be probably more satisfying than just him getting scratched and that's what makes him lose his eye but since the cat is this very powerful alien it turns yeah. out <laughs> it it sort of makes up for the anticlimacticness of uh, the the cat scratch being the source of the eye patch the cat goose of course plays a big role in this in this movie and mm -hmm. um Nick Fury is, I guess, obsessed with the cat, which is interesting. <laughs> he's, uh, he's constantly, like, yeah, just, you know, giving it attention. So he's a cat lover. It's great. Um, so Brie Larson plays Carol Danvers, uh, a.k.a. Captain Marvel. Um, there's a significant amount of time in this movie where she's referred to as Veers, because I guess that's the section of her dog tag that survived the accident. Mm -hmm. And uh, <laughs> so V-E-R-S, uh, they, they, they pronounce that Veers. She's a general or, or a, an officer of this Cree special force, uh, strike force. And then they go around sort of enforcing uh, Cree rule or their like their stated yeah. objective is to to defeat the scrolls yeah and i fell for it hook line and sinker mm -hmm. is it jude law who plays her like trainer yes yeah jude okay law. <laughs> good i i thought so but i'm not very good with with actors and i was like oh wow like that'd be like the best trainer ever and i thought for sure they were the good guys mm -hmm. uh, going into this movie and it, maybe it's because I haven't seen enough superhero things that that they were gonna switch and be like, oh no, the villains are good or whatever. But <laughs> that that worked well on me. I went, I looked at my mom and I went, they're good, you know, they're good. Did you did you see that coming from the get go when she was you know training with Law's character? No, not at all. I'm like I, I mean, I thought Jude Law would become uh, a villain. I don't know if the trailers spoiled that he becomes a villain later in the film i feel like they might have um but i didn't know that the scrolls were going to be as sympathetic mm -hmm. uh and there was like a moment earlier in in the film like when the scrolls land on earth in pursuit of captain marvel um like they encounter these teenagers on a beach and they start transforming to look like these these teenagers and i thought oh great <laughs> these these poor kids are now going to get murdered by aliens who have assumed their identities so yep. that was yep. a great way of selling that these were you know just very villainous characters um but yeah i guess they didn't necessarily kill the people that they transformed into we find out that one of the characters was like locked up in in a closet mm -hmm. uh, and yeah the the character playing the lead um, scroll Talos um, is is uh, 
portrayed by Ben Mendelsohn, who's in a lot of um, current, you know, contemporary shows and films playing a villain character. So just having him in a role is sort of a uh, indicator that you're dealing with, uh, with not a very nice person. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was curious and you said, you kind of said it earlier on, but the, is it just makeup that they used to create these aliens? Do you, do you know if that's mostly what it was? They used prosthetics and just makeup? On some of them, there were others that had different proportions from a human face. So, Mm -hmm. and, and I think that was also makeup as well, but like the, the uh, the masks didn't allow for as uh, precise you know facial movement as as the ones that were more human like um, so kind of an interesting mix of more alien and more human looking scrolls um, sort of like with the face paint on the Cree right uh, it's it's kind of a cool power the ability to transform down to the DNA and even some recent memories that the scrolls are capable of performing and uh i i kind of understand how like if you have a race that's capable of that how you would you know naturally be suspicious of them and you know want to prevent them from gaining too much influence um so this this kree probably because the scrolls you know had such potential to infiltrate and cause um, a a ruckus. (laughs) I was going to say for lack of a better word, a ruckus. (laughs) Exactly. You know, they they wanted to keep them at bay, but that led to, I'm sure, many heinous acts of cruelty and genocide. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, uh, pardon me if I'm like making you clarify something that everybody Mm -hmm. who's listening already knows. But did they ever state their main reason for wanting to eliminate this race of, like, people? Like, did was it ever, because they talk about, like, this is about ending a war, or, you know, that's kind of like, they keep coming back to mm-hmm. this war. Do they ever talk about in the movie, because I'm not sure if I just, like, zoned out. Do they ever talk well, about why the war began? Um, they, they talk about ending it a lot. I think both of these races are like space bearing. They're kind of like um, the Klingons and the Romulans. They both control section. Well, and those are aliens from Star Trek that are oftentimes in opposition to each other and, and are independent from the Federation. Mm-hmm. Um, the Federation is like this large, you know, galaxy spanning um, government or sort of loose association of uh, planets and races. And then there are sort of other races. It's you know, like like the UN or the EU. Um, there are non-member races um, that control their own portions of space. Uh, and and the Cree and the uh, the Skrulls, I'm guessing, kind of control their own territories of space, and are always you know just butting up against each other. And they're yeah, I, I'm guessing that's that's how things have sort of played out and. It's it's possible that like they both they they're both sort of at fault for a lot of the conflict between the two races, but um, this movie definitely takes more of a, a, a scrolls perspective. 
Right. And then you find that that was the mission of Carol's like mentor, um, her mentor on earth, because, you know, Jude Law's her mentor when she's a Cree, but mm -hmm. uh, her mentor on earth was trying to find them basically like a sanctuary or someplace to a new land, a new planet. Right. That was the goal. Yeah. yeah. And that was she, but Carol didn't know anything about that when she was on planet earth. She only seemed to, discover that towards the end of the movie once all of her memories sort of come together she has that clarity moment of what might have actually been going on with her training and the goals of her her mentor what was what was her mentor's name i shouldn't just refer to her as the mentor yeah. but the woman she's yeah. uh, dr wendy lawson played by annette oh, wow. benning yeah wendy lawson mm -hmm. Yeah, so I guess she there are these refugees that she's trying to find a way to send them to a new home, uh, which is you you'd think if the scrolls are this influential species that they'd have other territories that are that are more safe for them. But maybe they are. Maybe they have been just so villainized in their current situation that the best option for them would be to escape to a just an entirely new realm and and may, maybe most scrolls are bad like scrolls have always been portrayed as villains throughout the comics and this is sort of the first time where they are more sympathetic there was like a whole uh comic series about scrolls infiltrating um earth and like posing as superhero characters oh that would be interesting. Yeah. I mean, I thought the plot was incredibly like realistic. I mean, anyone on planet Earth right now can probably think of like, yeah, I mean, there's a refugee crisis and an immigration crisis sort of all over. Like, you hear about different countries all the time where they're not welcomed into new places. I'm not talking about like the Mexican border or anything, but I thought the the plot was very timely in that sense because of these issues we hear about uh, refugees and people looking for asylum, um, but then like having a lack of understanding and uh, like no strategy for where to put these people. So I thought, I mean, I thought it was great that mm -hmm. that's what they ended up doing with the scrolls in this. Uh, but I don't have the history of knowledge about the race or, or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But I, I thought it was a on point like mm -hmm. topic for them. Yeah, and I, yeah. I, I assume they could make a sequel with this. Is that usually with these superhero movies? Do they usually pick up where the one left off? Like if we were to imagine a sequel to Captain Marvel, would it be like, all right, and now the scrolls are looking for a brand new home? Or is it sort of a, another plot altogether where it's a new disaster? Does it sort of pick well, up or does it start a new story? I, I wouldn't be surprised if that does because I, I am very curious about that conflict in fact um i think there's there's a lot of details to that whole conflict that um is some some really significant events that happen in between uh you know this 90s era and um sort of the current state of the, the avengers universe because um I, we find out in Guardians of the Galaxy that the Kree race has be been pretty much wiped out. Uh, and one of the main villain is one of the last surviving members. Um, so <laughs> uh, it, it kind of makes sense that 
the Cree maybe got their comeuppance, as it were. But it, it'd be interesting to see how exactly that happened. Right. Right. I think so, too. Um, I don't know. Do you ever read the like the blogs and the vlogs after a movie comes out where people have insight on that or a little bit i i don't delve too deeply um i just a lot of it is is highly speculative um and you know with these movies they like to always put a strong twist on things like they did with with the scrolls and the fact that um the the character um marvel which is sort of the uh patriarch of like the captain marvel Mm -hmm. comics line um like they they changed that character into a woman uh which is this uh, the wendy lawson character um the first captain marvel actually printed in marvel comics was created by stan lee and gene colon in marvel superheroes number 12 uh in, in 1967 um and the character was an alien military officer captain marvel of the Cree imperial militia and he's set, sent to observe planet Earth. Um, so, so Marvel was originally, or Marvel was originally a, a man. Um, and uh, in this iteration, she, he's still Cree, but um, played by Annette Benning. Um, and then <laughs> they're like, well, <laughs> 50 years have passed. We should probably put a few female characters in this movie or in this story yeah here's right you said 67 was when the comic itself was released yeah 1967 Mm -hmm. yeah so so plenty of uh significant changes Mm um and a lot of you know great uh inclusion of topical issues uh air force you know not allowing combat pilots to be female uh, the fact that um, Captain Marvel, the, like the name Captain Marvel is actually also associated with DC Comics. Um, the, have you seen trailers for the movie Shazam? Uh, is that sort of where the kid, well, he says Shazam and then he turns into mm-hmm. that guy in the red. That, yes. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen the trailer for that. It, it reminds me of the movie uh, Big. Yeah. Yeah, it looks good. Actually, that character used to be called Captain Marvel as well. <laughs> so, oh. yeah, DC Comics had their own Captain Marvel. Hmm. And I'm, I'm, I'm even less familiar with the origins of that character, but um, kind of bizarre that, <laughs> that the two s- sort of overlap in that way. And then now we're getting a Shazam movie coming out soon. You know how to fly this thing? We'll see. That's a yes or no question. Yes. Let's see, before we continue, I just need to fact check the character Monica Rambeau. I mentioned how I thought that she might be, you know, the, the, the young girl that we see, the daughter of Maria Rambeau, uh, Carol Danvers' best friend. Um, like that she might be a setup for a future version of Captain Marvel in the films. Well, <laughs> that's because her character was the second Captain Marvel. Uh, the title passed from the original male uh, alien character, Marvel, 
too, this Monica Rambeau, who uh, first appeared in 1982. And then she would go on to be a leader of the Avengers in future comics. And she also would, would uh, pass the title of Captain Marvel to a later iteration. And then she, she's also gone by the name Photon and Pulsar, as well as Spectrum. So, so this is a huge character within the comics, and I'd be remiss to... But now you nailed it. Now people know, and she's sort of like a legacy, sounds like. Like she hands off to someone else, hands off the baton to the next. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure how that original version of Monica Rambeau ties to Maria Rambeau in the comics and Carol Danvers. I think that might have just been a, like a total reboot um, and then she was just maybe she was reintroduced as as the this daughter character, uh, but but an interesting connection nonetheless. So we'll mm-hmm. see how that. I'm I'm super excited for more adventures with Captain Marvel uh, taking place in between the events of this film and uh, Captain Marvel's next appearance, which will be in Avengers Endgame. Right, and is that one coming out this year as well, or do we have a longer wait? Um, yeah, it comes out in May, I believe. Um, <laughs> I'm not totally well, sure. Far away. Let's see. Uh, I'm gonna... Sorry, I'm asking you all the tough questions. No, it's I should know this. Avengers freaking Yahoo. Why is it defaulting to Yahoo search? Ah, that's funny because did you catch in the movie when she was in the 90s and she was trying to, like Google didn't exist yet. So she was like, <laughs> uh, what was she using to try to search up? Oh. And then it was like loading, loading, loading later in the thing. And just kind of those little uh, knocks at technology, <laughs> how 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 bad we had that's it back hilarious. then. Hilarious, yeah. Now we couldn't function if things had to load the way they did back in the 90s. Oh. April 26th is the release of Avengers Endgame. Oh, so really right around the corner. Yeah, yeah. Um, we see the clip at the end of this movie, post-credits, where, or uh, mid-credits, I should say, um, Captain Marvel shows up mm-hmm. with the surviving uh, Avengers. Do, do you remember that part? You didn't leave right away, did you? <laughs> Don't kill me, I left. Oh, I yeah. left, so you'll have to fill me in what happened. Uh, you have to uh, stay through the credits on all these movies because they there's usually something, even at the very end, um, but this was a mid credit scene where most, most of the original Avengers, uh, so Black Widow, Hulk, Hulk, uh, Thor, uh, Iron Man, Hulk, Captain America, they're, talk, they're looking at statistics on like casualties and then uh, Captain Marvel shows up because in, at the end of Infinity War, the um, character Nick Fury um, is about to get uh, killed by Thanos uh, in in the um, oh gosh there there is an actual term for Thanos snap a term for Thanos sorry to have one more departure here no that's all right snap term. listeners don't mind and neither do I well. 
Okay, they call it the decimation. See, this is what I was thinking. It's the decimation when Thanos snaps his fingers and wipes out half population. But decimation right. refers to one-tenth. So, so either you're wiping out one-tenth or you're leaving one-tenth, but it's half. So de- the word decimation <laughs> decimation's not a very accurate term to use. But, oh, well. Um, yeah, so, so they're, they're looking at casualty numbers from the decimation and then Captain Marvel shows up and, uh, and that's the end. Um, well, is she going to be the same actress, um, coming into the one, like the one playing Captain America? Um, Captain Marvel, Brie Larson. Oh, sorry. Oh, Captain America. Where's my head? <laughs> Captain Marvel, is it going to be the same actress? Um, yeah, movie? she's okay. contracted for a long time. And with this movie being so successful, uh, we'll probably get at least three solo Captain Marvel movies. I thought she was the perfect actress for it, so I think that's great that they have her. Yeah. I like her, like, subtle way of acting, not too overly dramatic, a little bit more of a like a deadpan-type humor, I guess. Do You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. She was a little bit more... Like, she was funny, and she yeah. was charming, but in a... In a, in a I like that. Yeah. yeah. Interacting a lot. You're exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she she kind of reminded me of uh, Sigourney Weaver from Alien, um, and, she, you know, she's a notable action... She kind of kicked off, like, the female action star persona, Sigourney oh. Weaver. Um, and yeah, we've seen several other. Oh, um, Linda Hamilton from Terminator is another example. Of course, these are all sort of um, throw throwback films from from the seventies and eighties that uh, you know aren't necessarily ubiquitous to current generation moviegoers. Um, but someone like me, who's sort of a student of uh, a film uh, in general. Um, you know, I, I try to brush up on my my film history. To me, like things like Terminator and Alien aren't uh, <laughs> aren't film history. They're they're just as relevant now as they ever were. But uh, that yeah, that may not be <laughs> that may not be the case for everyone. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. They are. Yeah. They are, they're relevant now, and they were then. Uh, well, so so much of our current culture, you know, pop culture is. Mm-hmm nostalgia driven so yeah we've seen that in a lot of the movies that we've gone through on the podcast i think yeah well mary poppins i mean and wreck it ralph has some throwback humor in it too yeah the whole 90s connection with this movie yeah Um, that's what really drew me in and i i i don't know how the next one goes or how the next ones are but i hope that they stay as strong with the overall like feel of the movie like i loved the vibe of this one from the soundtrack to the acting to the the costumes it was great what do you think of people who are maybe slightly uh, unimpressed uh, by like this notion of a female action hero uh just sort of not portraying what what they would prefer as traditional feminine qualities huh I mean, <laughs> you, you, I think the sort of the knee-jerk reaction to that kind of impression is sort of like how 
Captain Marvel treats Jude Law at the end of this movie where she's like, or he's, he's like, you know, take me on man to man, uh, prove yourself that you can, you know, be in control of your powers. <laughs> and cause she, he, you know, she, he yeah, wants, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then she just blasts him with her powers. Right. Uh, I have nothing to prove to you. Yeah. I mean, I think anyone who maybe goes into it with like that mindset, this movie's probably not going to like change their mind. They're still probably going to feel the same way walking out. It's hard to cater to people who have already made up their mind, whether it's princess movies or superhero movies or anything like that. It seems like if people are pretty like dead set on thinking like this is too feminist for feminism or not feminist enough for feminism. I mean, you see that complaint with Wonder Woman, like people thought it was too much or not enough, you mm -hmm. know, diversity or whatever. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to say. It's hard to say. I, I don't have enough friends that give me insight on that end of things, but I thought it, it did just enough tapping into the feminist part without being too in your face about it. I thought it was a really good balance um, for anyone who went in to watch it. Mm -hmm. Like, don't you think yeah. it wasn't too heavy? No, I mean, that, that one line at the end when she mm -hmm. you know, refuses to play Jude Law's game, um, right. I, I thought it would have been better if, if she didn't say something like, I have nothing to prove uh, th that just, that seemed a little on the nose, but the delivery of it, like Brie Larson's delivery of it totally sold it. Even if the line was sort of clunky. Um, yeah. I, I would have maybe preferred something just like you pathetic piece of shit or, you know, <laughs> have you, have you had enough, <laughs> had enough yet? <laughs> just like something really dismissive, but uh, no, it, 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 um, it, it was, it made, I think, a lot of great headway towards uh, inclusion. And um, I, I think this is just a very much needed um, revitalization of the superhero genre, much like Black Panther was last year. Right. I think they're really tapping into what um, like consumers and moviegoers and like what our culture is looking for now when we go to the movies and when we go not only with superhero movies but all around that we're a more mm -hmm. uh, what would you say like a woke generation i don't know what you would want to yeah. call it but, that, but that's what we're <laughs> that's what we want to see on film and that's what people are tweeting about and that's what people are pushing for in every industry so mm -hmm. i mean they're they're making the right choices by doing things like black panther and, and captain marvel and it might not always be perfect for everyone but they're, they're moving in the right direction. And I think it's exciting. Like I said, I probably wouldn't have gone to, if this had been Captain Marvel and it was a male character, honestly, I probably wouldn't have gone to it. I really wouldn't have. So, so I, I think it's great. And I think a lot of kids are going to get excited about superheroes and it's going to really reach out to a brand new demographic. Awesome. Um, forward. Cool. Yes. Well, uh, this has been our review and discussion on Captain Marvel. Jody, I'm glad you got a glimpse of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, it's, it's a fun time, but it's not necessarily for everyone. I know, uh, you know, big, high-flung uh, <laughs> visual effects films and action films are, are not everyone's cup of tea, and I totally get it, but I, they're the type of thing that I go head over heels for. Oh, there, there, what's that? I said absolutely you do. <laughs> I, I saw a trailer. 
uh, and the first time I saw Captain Marvel, I, I, I was like coming off of several days working on set. Uh, Dawson and I were on a film set all of last week. Uh, and um, that's why we went a week without having an episode. But um, yeah, we, uh, I, I was just super exhausted. I went to a movie with a friend, the movie with a friend super late and fell asleep halfway through. So I had to see it again. Uh, but the first time I was hoping for a trailer for Frozen 2 in front of the film, which would have been kind of surprising. Oh yeah? Yeah, I saw it. My nice. mom and I were like tearing up. It was amazing <laughs> on the big screen. It's very similar to the one that's online now, but maybe hmm. 30 seconds more. Um, okay. I, um, so it, it was still more like a teaser than anything else, maybe a minute and a half long, two minutes. Okay. Well, with the movie being so far away, like there's so many other movies coming out between now and then, but with this being such a female-centered film, mm -hmm. it, you know, that just it, with that type of symmetry, it makes sense. But the second time I saw it in theaters, I did. I walked in right as oh. the Frozen 2 trailer started playing. I was so... It was longer, wasn't it? <laughs> did you see that it was longer? Mm. It was yours? I don't think so. I, I think this was the trailer that I've been seeing no. online. Okay, you don't need to record huh. all this, but I'm going to... Because, yeah, that would be big news if there was new footage from that. I mean, thing. it's a similar thing. They just elongate the... Um, the ocean scene where Elsa's running out at the ocean. I'll I'll rewatch everything. <laughs> next time everyone listens, I'll I'll let you know if I was right or wrong. So catch um, us next week. We should need anyway. to tell people to subscribe. Anyways, I was super floored. Yeah, I'll I'll work on <laughs> uh, promoting a podcast. Uh, but but this is yeah, this has been really fun. Yeah. Thanks definitely. so much, Jody. And uh, we're gonna sign off now. Thanks for listening to our discussion, uh, our to our audience members and. Um, you all have a wonderful week. Uh, we'll talk to you later. Yeah, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. You say it first, then I'll say it. All right. Higher, further, faster. <laughs> Higher, further, faster. Awesome. <laughs>